Welcome to Res Talk, your source for the latest news, opinions, and training from top building performance, rating, and auditing experts. Here's your host, committed building science enthusiast and registered professional engineer, Bill Spohn. Welcome back to another episode of the Res Talk podcast. It's our goal at the podcast to communicate some late breaking news and insights into the broad array of topics in this expanding world of residential energy ratings to all the shareholders in the ResNet ecosystem. I'm your host, Bill Spohn, and today we're going to talk with Jonah Shine and Ryan Mears. We're going to talk about a topic that everybody should know about called water. Wikipedia defines water as an inorganic, transparent, tasteless, odorless, and nearly colorless chemical substance which provides no calories or organic nutrients. Yet water is vital for all known forms of life. So what role can builders, raiders, and providers play in the protection of this unique natural resource? Seasoned water efficiency professional Jonah Shine is mentioned. He's from the US APA. He's going to join Ryan Mears, who's the program director of ResNet, and me today on the podcast to give us updates on the EPA WaterSense and HERS H2O programs. We'll delve into how HERS H2O is used to achieve the WaterSense label, as well as discuss a recent ResNet EPA pilot program for WaterSense version 2.0. In the course of our discussion, Ryan and Jonah reveal how raters, providers, and builders can and should get involved in rating homes for water efficiency. We'll get into all the nitty-gritty details, and there'll be some links in the show notes for you to follow up on. So let's listen in as Jonah and Ryan explain EPA WaterSense and HERS H2O. Today, we're pleased to have Ryan Mears and Jonah Shine together talking about a new topic, actually an old topic, but a new combination of topics, the HERS H2O program and the EPA WaterSense program. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, good morning, Bill. Morning. So, Jonah, Ryan's an old hat, but you were a new voice to the podcast, so I'd like you to give us a quick introduction of yourself, what your role is, and a little bit about your background, please. Uh, thanks, Bill. I appreciate it. appreciate you having me here. I'm a new voice to the podcast, but probably not a new voice to a lot of people out there in the ResNet community. I am the National Program Manager for WaterSense Labeled Homes at the EPA WaterSense Program. For those who don't know WaterSense, you can think of it as being very much akin to Energy Star, but for water. So we, just like Energy Star, we have a product labeling program. We label things like plumbing products, faucets, toilets, shower heads, as well as some irrigation products. And we also support a whole house solution via the WaterSense Labeled Homes program and certification. This is something we've been doing since 2009. And as Bill mentioned, this is not new. We've had this partnership with ResNet going back over a decade now, collaborating on the certification of high-performing water-efficient homes. But with the national rollout of HERS H2O, as well as WaterSense looking to turn the table from version one, to version two of the WaterSense Labeled Homes program, we're really entering a new and exciting phase of this collaboration. So let me ask you what the distinction is, major distinction between V1 and V2. So without going too into the details, in, in broad strokes, version one, it's large of, of WaterSense Labeled Homes is largely a prescriptive approach. There's a little bit of some performance elements mixed in there. There's also some professional accreditation. And to be perfectly honest, that's largely just a reflection of where we were in terms of the tools and resources to look at water efficiency on a whole house basis. Again, a decade ago, uh, over a decade ago, when we were first rolling out the WaterSense Labeled Homes program. Version two is a much more performance-based approach. 
it will be much more familiar to raiders that are familiar with hers, starting to dip their toes into hers H2O a little bit, as well as the Energy Star Certified Homes program. So much more performance-based, we're, we're going to focus on the efficiency that we're trying to achieve. Yes, we have some very minimal prescriptive requirements that have to be met, but mostly we're going to look to the expertise of the builders and the raters that they work with to find the best path to water efficiency for each particular project. So like so many things ResNet does, there's a testing period or an evaluation period. Ryan, can you talk a little bit to that, what's happened with this program and how it's been evaluated and tested and put into place? So for HERS H2O, we've done some field testing starting actually almost two years ago now that we started doing some initial field testing based on the standard that was being in a draft form at that time, and then did a more formal pilot program with HERS H2O last year, which kind of got us to the point where we are now, where we've begun a pilot using HERS H2O for the WaterSense 2.0 program. The WaterSense label, actually in the pilot program, there's a home that's been the first one that's achieved this rating. Jonah, are you uh, most familiar with that? Absolutely. That's, I believe we're now somewhere north of 50 homes that we've labeled through the pilot program. The first one being out of Las Vegas by our partners, KB Home. KB Home has a long relationship with WaterSense labeled homes, a long relationship with ResNet and getting hers ratings on their homes. Also a, a long relationship in the Las Vegas market of building high-performing water-efficient homes. For years, they've done it through a local program, the Water Smart Homes Program, which is run by the local water authority. That program was shut down earlier this year, so it, the stars all sort of aligned and provided the opportunity for KB to pivot their focus so they could continue to communicate the value of the homes that they're building and the water-efficient design and technology that they're putting into the homes in the Las Vegas division through the WaterSense Labeled Homes Program and the version 2 pilot. What's the experience that either one of you have with the number of builders that are taking this on and seizing this opportunity? What's the uptake been like? I guess I'll just speak quickly on the HERS H2O side. With HERS H2O being a new program, we have just a handful of builders right now that have taken on HERS H2O ratings. But WaterSense certainly has been around a long time and has a lot more builders involved with their program. And that's one of the things that we hope to grow in version two, not just to expand our builder base and to expand the number of builders that are participating in WaterSense labeled homes, but also to grow the program within the Raider community. We've talked a little bit about the technical requirements, but another important change that we've gone through recently is ResNet's approval as an HCO, as a home certification organization for WaterSense. Again, this is important timing with the rollout of of HERS H2O. Previously, we did have WaterSense providers. About a third of all the rating providers participated in WaterSense labeled homes. I think we had about 30 WaterSense providers. As ResNet was starting to roll out HERS H2O, we sort of got together as partners and said, oh, geez, we don't want to wind up in a situation where raters have to worry about and providers have to worry about maintaining two separate providerships for water efficiency. We kind of sat down as partners and started looking at, well, what are some of the really important requirements and how can we make sure that these systems work well together? We're currently in the process and should be complete by the end of the year of transitioning all of the previous water sense providers over to HERS H2O providership. Moving forward, people won't have to worry about that. Every HERS H2O provider will be able to support certification and do quality assurance on WaterSense labeled homes as well. So what are some of the requirements? Maybe, Ryan, you could speak to that for a rater to become a WaterSense certified. Yeah. So one of the 
things that we just kicked off at the end of 2019 was the HERS H2O online Raider training. And this is on the ResNet training portal. Any certified HERS Raider or rating field inspector can go and take this training and be able to do HERS H2O rating. So for a HERS Raider, they'd be able to do the modeling and the on-site inspections. For a rating field inspector, they would be able to do just the final on-site inspection. And then providers also, we are transitioning WaterSense providers over to HERS H2O providers to be able to provide both services. And providers can go on and complete the application to do that on the ResNet website. Is there a time and cost involved, approximate time it takes to do this? We've actually streamlined the application process for providers, which is actually quite simple now for them to do that. And there's no cost for existing WaterSense providers to become a HERS H2O provider. There is no cost. Now, on the training side for Raiders and RFIs, the total commitment to do the HERS H2O training and also there are two WaterSense trainings on the ResNet training portal for version 1.3 and version 2.0. And combined, all of those three trainings could be done in less than four hours. And the WaterSense ones are roughly in the 30-minute range. And the H2O training can be anywhere from about two to three hours. If you could send me some links, I'll put them in the show notes so anyone interested can pick up on this and move towards it directly. Can we talk a little bit more about the pilot program to kind of dig into the details there and why KB chose to do it? Did they approach ResNet? Did they approach EPA? Well, how did this all come about? Jonah. And again, to be perfectly honest with you, Bill, the WaterSense ResNet coordination plan for 2020 was to spend most of 2020 rolling out version two. We'd been talking about it for a while. We were comfortable with it. We felt like we had really struck the right balance and that we were going to be able to meet the objectives of both programs and streamline the administrative burden and the training costs and all of those things that Ryan spoke about. Like most things in 2020, it just doesn't go exactly according to plan. And so rather than doing the sort of big grand rollout where we moved all of the certification elements over and onboarded ResNet as an HCO and rolled out version two at the same time, we split things up a little bit. And we addressed the certification elements, which again, we think is a really good thing. We think it will reduce the burden, make life a little bit easier on the providers and on the raters. It also brings us a little bit more closely in line with the new Energy Star requirements, as well as being more consistent with the certification structure that we have on the product side. So that's something that's very important to us because we really feel strongly about offering not only Energy Star and WaterSense together, but also Indoor Air Indoor Air Plus as this trio of EPA certifications that we think make a really powerful statement about the quality, the performance, and the health of what a home is going to be like to occupy. So the closer we can get our certification systems working together seamlessly, the better we can make that statement to our partners and to prospective home buyers. So that was important to us as well. And the better uptake you'll get too, sure. Exactly. So we felt it was important to make that step on the certification side. We're having a hard time getting the technical requirements out the door. Separately from that, the administration was very interested in this idea of consumer satisfaction. One of the points I always make is the building industry represents a very important part of the plumbing product market. Maybe about 20% of the plumbing products, maybe more, depending on the year, that are sold in the U.S. every year are bought by builders. Add to that the fact that we know that builders are keenly aware of poor customer satisfaction. It creates callbacks. It damages their reputation. It costs them money. Simply put, I think if builders had something to 
tell us or the building community had something to tell us about how well certain types of plumbing products or certain design technologies were being received by home buyers, we would be wise to listen to them. So we restructured version two a little bit. And the way that we rolled out the pilot is, okay, we're comfortable with version two. We think it's going to work as far as the technical requirements go, but let's go ahead. Let's use an opportunity to get a little bit of feedback on how the system works. Because as you know, once the government program is out, it's difficult to change. Let's gather some feedback on that. And let's also take the opportunity to gather any information they may have and that they might want to share with us about, again, the customer satisfaction aspect. How well are these things being received? Are certain products creating callbacks? Are certain design technologies or certain design strategies in certain locations resulting in poor satisfaction, or as I said, or callbacks or an increasing number of punch list items. How is that done? A little bit more detail on the survey, how that's done. I'll let Ryan speak more to that, but our goal in this aspect of pilot is very much to access information that might already exist, not to create a new collection burden. If you're a superintendent, most superintendents I know have pretty good feedback on what's generating callbacks, because as we all know, callbacks are not a good thing. I guess on the ResNet side, we're going to work with the builders that are part of this pilot to get feedback, as Jonah said, from those site superintendents that are there, that are the ones that are fielding callbacks, if there are any, to get an idea of if they are getting callbacks or if they are having any issues specifically with the plumbing products in the home. We'd like to know that. And also from the side of the conducting the rating and issuing the water sense label, is there any feedback there? Is there anything that could be improved? Are there any concerns from the raters that are doing that? And then in a longer term strategy, we're looking to get some more direct feedback from the homeowner after they've been in the home for a little while, had a chance to live in it and really interact with their plumbing fixtures. Have they experienced any problems with those that we'd like to hear about? So we do plan on doing that as a little bit of a longer term, because of course, once you move into a home, you need a little time to settle in to really figure out what the issues might be, Right, <laughs> as I'm sure you're experiencing, Bill. <laughs> I'm experiencing that. We moved yesterday, Jonah. <laughs> okay. So we'll talk in a few weeks, Bill. And- yes, we should. <laughs> see how that toilet's doing. <laughs> yeah, right. I, mean, I think they are water sense rated. I did see the sticker. I, I peeled it off there the other day. We covered this in some previous podcasts, but in case someone hasn't listened, they could go back and find those. But just a little bit more about the technical details for the rater and how they would conduct this rating, this evaluation, the HERS H2O. Yeah, so the actual rating itself is done during the HERS final inspection. And one of the important aspects of HERS H2O is that it's meant to complement a HERS rating. So it's done at the same time that the final inspection and testing for the HERS rating is done, you would also do the inspection for HERS H2O and also for water sense, there's a few items that need to be verified as well. The rater's going to check the flow rates for shower heads and lavatory faucets and kitchen faucets, verify that there's no leaks in the toilet or any of the other plumbing fixtures. They're also going to take a look at the irrigation system. If one is installed, they may also optionally, they can test the flow rate of the irrigation system. If it's a very well-designed, efficient irrigation system, they can earn some extra points, reduce their HERS H2O score. Generally, it seems that from the feedback we've received from Raiders is it's an extra 30 minutes to maybe 60 minutes on a HERS final inspection to add this in as part of HERS H2O rating. 
How about the uh, uptake of this as the program's sort of going through changes and been in place for about a decade? I could imagine that there's a regional uptake to the program, but Jonah, maybe you could speak towards that. Where are builders and raiders having activity in this program? It's probably no huge surprise that uptake is generally greatest in the Southwest, where it's quite dry, it's quite arid. There's a long history of a need for water efficiency, simply because there's not a lot of water available. One of the things that we hope to be able to accomplish with version two is to really expand the reach of the program. Because the fact of the matter is, we have a water problem, quote unquote, in just about all parts of the country. It's not always a problem of availability like it is in the Southwest. Sometimes it's a problem of infrastructure. Our infrastructure in general is quite old. It's aging. We haven't invested in it in recent years the way that we have previously in the the history of the country. So in a lot of ways, we have a bill coming due. The vast majority of water utilities, unlike energy utilities or electric utilities, the vast majority of water utilities are municipally owned. They're public agencies. And so that bill is going to be borne by all of us, by the ratepayers. There's no place else for it to come from. And just as we see with energy, yes, energy utilities are in the business of selling energy, they're in the business of selling electricity. But as soon as we start talking about a new plant, or in the case of water, a new reservoir, a new pumping station, a new treatment facility, well, all of a sudden, the idea of saving that next gallon of water becomes very cost effective. That's my cheapest gallon, right? It's the next cheapest gallon, the one that you don't use. And so... Again, it's, as we pivot to version two, we think one of the benefits of that is that because it is much more performance-based, it's also much more volumetric. It's much more quantitative. And we're hopeful that we'll be able to expand the inroads that we've made in the program to really make it useful to those that need to focus on water efficiency from an infrastructure point of view, in addition to those that need to focus on it from a water availability point of view. Are there any places where the municipalities convene to cover their issues that you're present at? Is anything like that happening? Yeah, there is associations. There's the American Water Works Association, AWWA. We maintain a presence there. There's also something that ResNet's been involved in for the last several years and that we're very involved in at the EPA and at WaterSense is the Water Smart Innovation Conference, typically held in the fall in Las Vegas. No great mystery that in Las Vegas, they have a long history of water efficiency. It's very important to their strategy of meeting the demands of the community. And that's really the largest conference on water efficiency and utility efficiency programs in the country. More broadly speaking, the way that I look at it is at this point, 2020, Water Sense of the program as a whole started in 2006. We rolled out the Homes program in 2009. We're at the point where when we talk about version two of the Homes program, we need to be looking at what are the challenges and what are the tools that we need to meet those challenges over the next decade. And I do think one of the things that we need to do sort of as a water efficiency community, as a water conservation community, is we need to pivot our approach a little bit. People that have been around energy efficiency a while can probably remember times when energy efficiency programs were were all about changing light bulbs. And that made sense at the time because you could save so much energy by changing light bulbs, you didn't have to worry about anything else, right? Take the low-hanging fruit. It's not just low-hanging fruit, right? It's it's on the ground, actually. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's within reach of a little step ladder. 
as you go down that road, it gets a little bit tricky, and like you said, all the low-hanging fruit tends to go away, and you can't rely on switching out light bulbs anymore. And I think that's where we've really seen, again, looking back at sort of the path that energy efficiency has taken, I think that's where you really start to see the rise of more advanced building science approaches and the whole house approach. Water efficiency, we're kind of at the end of the road of the light bulb approach. When you had a lot of three and a half gallon per flush toilets in your service territory, it made all the sense in the world to replace those with 1.28 gallon per flush water sense labeled toilets. Huge impact. Huge. Yeah. yeah. And it was easy. As long as you could swap out those toilets, you knew you were going to save lots of water. There's still three and a half gallon flush toilets out there to be had, but there's not as many as there used to be. We as a community, as the water efficiency community, have to rethink things and have to pivot our approach just the way that the energy efficiency community did all those years ago. And our hope is that through version two of the Water Sense Labeled Homes program, we can provide a template for that and really get these programs thinking more on the whole house basis. Because I think, as I said, once that low-hanging fruit is gone, I think that's where you really find the efficient solutions. What do the communication means for customers? I know Energy Star Homes has a lot of customer-facing communication. Can you speak towards those? That's an important part of our program. We want to save water, but we believe strongly that that's only going to happen in a long-term and durable way if consumers understand the importance of conserving water. We have a whole slew of materials that we make available to our partners. There's no cost to be a WaterSense Builder Partner. It's a simple form that we'll ask you to fill out and sign in with some nice government legalese on it so we can make sure you're, you can use our marks legally and everything, but it's a pretty smooth and simple process. And we give access to all of our builder partners, to all of our consumer-facing materials, graphics, factoids, little facts and figures. Water, what we find is that water resonates on an emotional level with people. And it's very straightforward. We just, we understand on a very basic level that water is important, that we need it. That's particularly true if you're trying to sell homes to moms and dads that are concerned about what kind of life their children are going to live, that resonates very, very strongly. So you can get a lot of mileage just by communicating, hey, there's certain technology and certain thought put into how this home was designed for you that you're not going to get across the street or from the stock home across town. We've put thought, we've put design into this. It's going to perform better and it's going to save water and protect that future in a way that other homes haven't done. That's a really powerful message, and that's really what a lot of our marketing tries to get at. There's a visible sense to water, but you're talking about the invisible emotional sense, just like there is to energy. And you can wrap it all in this envelope of comfort, and that's both emotional comfort as well as physical comfort. Emotional comfort, like you talked about the future for children, and the physical comfort is that you have water when you need it. You sense the absence of water more directly than you do the presence of water. So, (laughs) (laughs) Very quickly, yes. Yeah. We covered a lot of the topics here today, and I wanted to give you a chance to provide. First, we'll go with Ryan and then Jonah. Any kind of wrap up or, or maybe some kind of a common question that you get in first, Ryan, please, about the program. Certainly like to wrap up and say to the Raiders and RFIs that are listening, if you haven't taken the HERS H2O training and the WaterSense training videos, please take those. It's great to be able to offer an additional service to your builders, and it's a very easy add-on to a HERS rating. So I would encourage you to HERS raters and RFIs to take the training and be able to uh, offer HERS H2O ratings. And of course, you can uh, do that off of the WaterSense label as well. Very good. Jonah, closing thoughts or a common question you get? 
I want to echo Ryan's call there. And certainly for any Raiders or RFIs out there, I definitely encourage you to take the HERS H2O training. I think in version two, the as we've mentioned before, there's a very brief mandatory checklist. It includes water-sense-labeled plumbing products, which are widely used in new construction. A lot of your builders may already be including them. And if not, they can find whatever product, whatever style they're interested in at whatever price point they can for little or no incremental cost. The reason we have those on the mandatory checklist, by the way, doesn't have anything to do with water efficiency. It has to do with performance. It has to do with quality performance. So when you go to flush the toilet, does it actually work? When you go to take a shower, are you actually going to feel like you were able to rinse off? Or uh, are you going to be like stuck in that Seinfeld episode where no one can get the shampoo out of their hair? <laughs> Any product that has the water sense labels been third-party tested for, for performance. And again, here I mean quality performance in addition to efficiency. So that's why we require them as a mandatory feature, because we want the water sense label to speak not just to efficiency, but also to performance. We have a very basic leak detection protocol we have. Again, put yourself in the shoes of the homeowner. How do you feel about a brand new home you just moved into that leaked? That's not something we want associated with the water sense label. Quick and easy thing to do. If I could tell you that you were never going to find any leaks in a new home, then I wouldn't require it. But that's not the case. What I can tell you is you're going to be saving that builder a whole lot of pain and heartache down the line if you identify it before delivery. So that's the mandatory checklist. Beyond that, we're talking a HERS H2O score of 70 or lower. So it's a 30% efficiency threshold. What we've generally found so far is builders that are building efficient, high-performing homes can usually get there really just by identifying that one or two remaining feature that honestly makes a lot of sense anyhow. They just needed sort of the tool to steer them in the, in the right direction. Like I said, her version two we feel is really going to be an easy-to-do add-on that's going to find those super cost-effective, super efficient solutions to deliver higher-performing more water efficient homes to consumers. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Water sense, huh? Okay. <laughs> he had to do it. Sorry. <laughs> Got to sneak one in. Thank you, gentlemen, for joining me here this morning in the Res Talk podcast. We hope the listeners, builders, raiders, and others in the housing market, even consumers, are taking heed of this system and the efforts Jonah, Ryan, and others are putting into this to achieve better performance and better customer satisfaction, as well as the resource conservation. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ResTalk podcast. If you're prone to the building market, surf on over to resnet.us slash professional to learn more or join the email list. You can find ResNet on Facebook or Twitter. A quote for the day, which ties in with our subject, is by Lauren Easley, an American scientist. If there is magic on this planet, it is contained in water. If you'd like to feedback to ResNet on what you heard here or would like to suggest a new topic or have a general question, please send an email to info at resnet.us. If you're not subscribed, please do so. As always, thank you for listening to Res Talk. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Res Talk podcast. This podcast is hosted by Bill Spohn and is a production of ResNet, the Residential Energy Services Network. The best way to listen to this podcast is to subscribe on an iPhone using the podcast app or on an Android device by downloading the Stitcher app and searching for ResTalk. 
If you are willing, a review on iTunes or the podcast app will help others find the show and would be very much appreciated. We look forward to talking again soon on Res Talk. <laughs>